Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, what's going on? I hope this episode finds you well. And I hope this episode leaves you better than when it found you. Today's episode is with Ben Brown. And he's a guy who is way smarter than me when it comes to nutrition and your health and protocols and and keeping your body in in optimal shape. And, And I think that as I'm going through my own journey, that is that's foundational. That opens up the door to to so many other things. And um, if you're if you're, that's not quite where you're at, hopefully this conversation opens that up to you. And if you are, Ben gets into some really really great stuff about how you can take your body to to another level. So enough of me, y'all. Let's get into today's episode with Mr. Ben Brown. Being a husband, being a father, being a business owner, it's a lot to juggle all of those things. So invariably on any given day, I feel like I am doing an injustice to one of those areas by virtue of whatever the focus or the priority is in that given time. And so just this morning, I was working out. I dropped one of my kids off at her middle school, took the other two kids to the gym. They can walk from there to school, but they were hanging out for about 30 minutes before walking over to school from there. And part of me was like, what am I doing? Why am I not spending time with them right now. They're just sitting down there bored. I'm getting my training in. Obviously, I can justify training. Obviously, I can justify spending time with them. But I think that's the crux of the situation is on any given time, any given day, we're questioning the things that we're doing as far as am I doing my best, right? Am I showing up as my best self? Am I leveraging my time effectively? Am I prioritizing things in the way that make the most sense? And invariably, you're going to feel guilty for not doing something that you think you should be doing. And it just seems like right now, that is the name of the game. It's not that there's not a winning, because I think there is some sort of way to overcome that. But one of the, the challenges that we've realized on the show is that a unique challenge to the man of this era, in the sense of that you talk to older guys, they were asked to do different things. But the ability to be a present father, to be a provider, to be in relationship, all of these things... And then to put them all together has not, that expectation has not been placed on men of previous generations. And now men are faced with this task and this expectation, but without really the playbook. And so that's the premise of this show. And your world is nutrition and fitness. And what I think is really interesting about that part is that it is the keystone sort of thing, right? And that debate that you have in your head, I know so many guys are talking about, and whether they're doing it with their training or whether they're doing it with their kids or whether they're doing it with their work, they're having that internal battle of like, how do I allocate the seemingly finite sort of time that we have and then devote it to all these things that matter to me, that we say matter. And it's hard. It's hard. And I think that we are expected to show up on a different level than our parents did, that our fathers did. You run a business, it's easy to justify working day and night because you're a man and you're the breadwinner and you run the business. This is our, at least my father, my grandfather were expected to run a business and you don't, and to be fair, by any stretch have to be a breadwinner that those expectations are gone. You're expected to be self-sufficient. You're expected to 
run a business or make an income to be physically present, emotionally present. Like we never learned how to do any of this stuff and no parent does. It's trial by fire in any way that you slice it. I think the key is that we are making concerted efforts. It's much more acceptable now to want to get better, to know that you have the tools and opportunities to get better, to make improvements, to learn how to do it differently than perhaps our parents did. And that's what I think is important for men today to acknowledge. The resources are different. They didn't have the expectations. They also didn't have the tools. They didn't have a show like this. They didn't have a podcast, a resource that's putting stuff out there. I'm actually probably a lot on the show for everybody who's listened to all the episodes. But for those who are just joining, like the connection between emotional health and physical health is something that has been so apparent for me over the last several years that when lockdowns happened and the pandemic was doing whatever it was doing. I had a dad bod at the time. I was just had my second daughter and I was coming out of that. So I really used that as an opportunity to get in shape. And as the things progressed, I kept working out because I realized that when I didn't, I wasn't as emotionally, let's call it strong. I had a shorter fuse. I was shorter with the kids. I was yelling more. And so is that something that you connected to, or is that something that you think about now too, that obviously there's a physical side of nutrition and working out and exercise and stuff, but is the emotional side of aspect of that a part of your ethos, if you will? 100%. Part of our belief system is that your health determines your freedom. And so in that is we know the relationship between physical health and emotional health and emotional and cognitive well-being and the sheer fact that in order for us to show up as our best self, in order for us to positively impact those around us, we have to show up as our best self and therefore we have to find ways to take care of ourselves. It's our personal responsibility to do that. And in my observations over close to 20 years of working with men doing this, men and women, is that when we develop the ways, the tools, the skills to be able to take control, take responsibility, take ownership over our health, it permeates over into every other area of our life, right? By virtue of the skills that we develop, how to manage our time more effectively, how to prioritize exercise and nutrition, how to make decisions, right? You can't not get better in other areas. And obviously, you're feeling better. Obviously, you're looking better, which comes with improvements in confidence, right? And overall health and energy. And so you're literally showing up at a better version of yourself, for your family, for your community, as a leader in your business, amongst your peers. And it could just simply be the energy that you exude. The way you fill out your clothes, the way you walk into a room, your charisma, all of the above. You can't not improve everything else by improving yourself. Yeah. And the challenge, there seems to be something in the air or the water or the social media algorithms that is pulling people away from that. I just saw, but it's like the fat pill, right? It's like whatever people are taking to... Do like the weight loss medications? Yeah. It's like Xyla. Yeah, it's a... That's gotten really popular. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a peptide. It's a GLP-1 or GLP or GIP agonist that they now have for general weight loss as opposed to just diabetes. Sure. I just saw an article yesterday that said that it also helps with curbing alcohol use. Yeah, basically, if you drink while you're on it, you're going to get sick as hell. It works well for that. 
I want to get into maybe some of the mechanisms and some of this stuff, but generally from an ideological standpoint, the challenge is that when something like this becomes popular, it skips the work. It skips the effort. And maybe you'll tell me that it doesn't actually matter, but at least what I'm seeing is that from these things that all of a sudden guys are getting soft because we're more willing to skip the hard work it's becoming more convenient to do that as well. Am I off base in that? Or what are your thoughts with where society is telling people to go with regards to their health and fitness and what that kind of takes? I think that it's easier than ever to be comfortable being overweight, out of shape, sedentary, and by virtue of the fact that it is societally acceptable and the norm, it's just easy. And it's in our DNA to appreciate easy, right? Because if we don't have to work for something, that's hard. It's physically hard. It's mentally hard. Of course, we know the benefits of doing hard shit. But from a physiological standpoint, we don't want to have to do that. In which case, it's about deciding and saying, all right, are we comfortably uncomfortable? And how uncomfortable are we in our current scenario? If we're talking about a millennial guy, if we're talking about 35 plus, I think every guy has been alive long enough to want to and appreciate health, to think about the future, to think about longevity. I don't know many guys who wouldn't want to have a leaner physique, be comfortable taking their shirt off, fill out a suit, look good for their peers, men and or women. I think that's also inherent in our DNA. I just have a very judgmental kind of thing that's not natural. And I guess what I'm wondering is that, is there room for a moderate kind of view of these things? Or is there room for a pill like this, like we talked about, to actually be beneficial for guys or for people? Therein is understanding is listen. As long as we can get out of our own way and acknowledge that we are uncomfortably uncomfortable, we are in a position where whether you admit it or not, you're in pain. If you're overweight, if you're unhealthy, if you have high blood pressure, if you know you are a ticking time bomb in some capacity or your lifestyle behaviors are contributing to you getting worse rather than getting better, then there's going to be a tipping point. All that matters, in my opinion, is that you are actively taking action towards making improvements. Now, this is where, man, it's all relative. Like, you don't have to go the old-fashioned route. And I think there's some beauty in where we are in terms of technology and science and medicine to potentially make the process easier. Any way you slice it, it's going to be hard. And so you can look at the gastric bypass or stomach stapling and say, I'll band-aid, I'll literally staple things and band-aid the stomach so I can't eat as much. But if you don't change your lifestyle and your eating behaviors and your exercise, you're going to gain the weight back. Your stomach will stretch out. You'll gain it back. We know that. Time and again, you can go down the route of medical weight loss drugs, what we call GLP-1 receptor agonists. These are the semaglutide, the terzepatide, basically the brand names of Ozempic or Monjoro or the new pill that you're talking about that's a form of the terzepatide. And while they do work and work quite well, I might say, what we do also know is that if they're not complemented by improvements in lifestyle of being more physically active, strength training, resistance training, supporting lean muscle mass, as you're losing that body fat, you're going to gain the weight back. 
They see it in, in the literature and we see it anecdotally. And we all have friends and colleagues whom we've seen yo diet multiple times. So it doesn't really matter what you do, in my opinion, as long as you're actively making concerted effort and acknowledging that it's not a short-term quick fix, which to be fair, a lot of people are using it that way, Hector. Brian Johnson, are you familiar with him? He's the millionaire who's trying to live to 100. I think I know who he is. All these different things to his body on the end of the spectrum of where biohackers could go. There were some things I was like, okay, I can eat that or I'll do that exercise. But certain things I was like, let's see how this plans out. Assuming that we're building good intent and we're having good exercise or all the other things. Are there things that should be on guys' radar that maybe aren't because they just haven't hit like the mainstream? In terms of like more biohacking stuff? No, just in terms of your world, right? Because I think you're very knowledgeable about the nutrition side and supplements and exercise and that sort of stuff. We talked about the negative side, like the Ozembic side. Are there things on the positive side that people might be looking into if they want to optimize? It always comes down to fundamental principles of obviously your nutrition and how you're managing your calories on a daily basis. If you're trying to lose weight and you have no idea how your calories are adding up and you quote unquote eat healthy, but you're not, you're being cognizant, but you're not losing weight and perhaps you have a significant amount of weight to lose, then you're probably overeating, in which case it would behoove you to figure out a way to effectively track your calorie intake, just like you would if there's no money in your bank account. You're like, I feel like I save money, but I have no idea. I don't pay attention to my budget. It probably would make sense to budget. So that's one of those big things. In addition, is like our cardiovascular health as men is a significant factor that we need to be aware of. And what we see in our age group, if we see, say, this 35 plus, is like the way we're living our lives is starting to catch up to us. We can't eat like we used to eat. We don't exercise as much as we used to exercise. We can't get away with those sleepless nights and weekend benders, right? In which case, we see poor blood sugar regulation. We see body fat accumulating around the midsection. We see hypertension, high blood pressure. This is known as the silent killer for a reason. And it's because high blood pressure will give us strokes, will kill us even at 40 years old. In fact, I have a very dear friend and previous business partner who just had a massive stroke at 39. And fortunately, he was in generally good shape, but had untreated hypertension, untreated high blood pressure, wasn't medicating for it. And so he's really on the up and up, but this is, it generally does not happen like that. As men, we want to think about the fancy, shiny shit and just people in general, right? We want the magic pill. We want the magic bullet. And it really comes down to our daily behaviors around our nutrition, around getting enough sleep, around managing our stress levels, around improving our cardiovascular fitness. So making sure we're walking a lot. We're actually making concerted efforts to get on the bike or jog moderately 20 to 30 minutes a few times a week or just get the heart rate up to some moderate level. Typically, we talk about somewhere around 65 to 75% of your max heart rate to be sweating, just to have more opportunities to be more physically active, just to drink enough water. Those all sound so boring 
But those are legitimately the things that will save your life, will contribute to longevity, will get you pretty damn lean just in and of themselves to say nothing of supplements or fucking cold showers and ice baths and saunas and all of the other biohacking stuff. Is it a mechanism thing or is it a lifestyle thing? I was talking to a really good friend the other day and we were talking about their weight loss journey and they're talking about their meal prepping and, you know, their exercise. And I was like, you know, you could just do this and you could just do that. And then they were also like, well, I'm also lazy. There's that too. But I don't know, like in my head, if someone is, I'm lazy, what fixes that, if anything? I don't know many people that are genuinely lazy. Everyone works hard at something. The people get up and they go to work and they work 8, 10, 12 hours a day and they're motivated at their job or they're motivated to go out. The same person regularly pulls 12, 14 hour days at work too. So it's just, it's interesting. I think we're all motivated by different things. And it's important to understand what the purpose is. The whole proverbial, what's your why? Like, why do you want to do it? For a lot of us guys, it's I actually don't care as much about looking great with my shirt off as I care about living a long time and making sure I'm providing for my family. And I'm like, the way that I show up for my kids and set a great example for them. And because I know intrinsically, like I feel much better when I'm taking care of myself. I show up better. I communicate better. I'm more fun to be around. I'm more present with my wife, all of these things. And it's obviously a, a big learning curve for people. Like you tell yourself that you're lazy or you don't like to exercise or you don't quote unquote to eat healthy when you just haven't exposed yourself enough. And anything that we do that's new is uncomfortable. And it's, but it's the only way that we grow. It's the only way that we change. Logical, practical brain is like, have they just not found the right framework? For me, my weight always ballooned. I had that dad bod and because I was eating jack in the box three or four times a week. I was all the wrong decisions, but I hadn't found a system that worked. And so I started doing a lot more keto stuff and now I'm fasting and maybe it was just me, but it was the framework that kind of showed me, Hey, there are other options than the standard American diet than, than what everybody else is doing or what everybody says that you should be doing. So is that a part of it too, that people got to figure out what works for them or be willing to try enough things to get to that place? It's a good point, Hector. I think there's a really big disconnect between what people think they need to do to move the needle and what they actually need to do. I was going picking up a new suit. We've got this big charity fundraiser event on Saturday night. And so I was picking up a new suit at this store called State and Liberty. It's basically flexible suits for guys that have more muscle mass and whatever. So more more athletic body types, if you will. And so I ran into an acquaintance, I'll say, and I was explaining that to him. He's, oh, I'd love to have that problem. And we got talking. I'm interested. Like, I want to do something. I need to lose some weight and I want to feel better. And I'm like, yeah, great. Let's have a conversation this week and catch up so I can find out more. And he's, but no offense, I don't want to look like you. And I'm like, no offense taken, dude. Please understand, I've been strength training for 25 years. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. What people say is, 
you get your driver's license and people are afraid you're going to become like a NASCAR driver. And I'm not pumping myself. I'm simply saying that the level of effort, energy, intensity, time, and consistency it takes. Women say, what are you talking about? If only it were that easy. And I think by that same token, people think, I don't want to have to fast every single day. I don't want to have to get rid of my alcohol. I don't want to have to do X, Y, and Z. But you have to do something. It's going to start to move the needle in terms of your nutrition, your exercise, your sleep behaviors, your hydration. And I think more people need an opportunity for a low barrier to entry in a way that fits with them and their lifestyle and their responsibilities um, for their readiness for change and for their commitment level and their for, for their pre-existing level of knowledge. And you take every single one of those categories just mentioned, we all have these sort of different levels that we're on. So for someone like you, it may be very logical and intuitive to roll into an intermittent fasting routine. But for someone else, it might simply be like, hey, how do we switch the Cheerios for breakfast to eggs, right? How do we switch the Frappuccinos to just black coffee? And it's like people need to understand that that's very reasonable and we don't have to go to these extremes in order to be successful. It's probably a really good... I remember for me, one of the first big nutrition decisions I ever made was not drinking juice. And I also cut out soda at the same time. And it was because my football coach at the time, he was like, I didn't want to drink water. And he was like, you got to drink six bottles of water. That's everyone's task. But if you drink a juice or you drink a soda, that means that's one less. Basically saying you're canceling out the hydration. I don't want to drink more water. So I'm just going to cut out the juice and the sodas. And that was a big thing that like I realized led to a cascade of other effects. And I think that sometimes it takes those ones, that one decision that enables some of those other ones. We work with a lot of business owners. They understand they're the CEO of their business, but they're just trying to clean up messes all day long. And we want to teach them how to become the CEO of their body. And this is what we call helping them build their own personal operating system. Any business has standard operating procedures, has frameworks, has systems, has structure. And those are the very fundamental tools that we want our clients to develop, to take ownership over and to start to act like an owner in their body because we relegate these responsibilities to anything and everything else in our life. And it's very much the way I think our parents are of this fix me generation of saying a pill for every ailment saying, well, my blood pressure is high, so I guess I should just go on blood pressure medicine and not take responsibility. We all can infuse different rules, routines, and rituals based on our current day-to-day -day life structure responsibility. So for someone, it could just very well be like it's a non-negotiable rule that we don't eat after 7 p.m., right? It's a rule that I go to bed by 9 or 10 p.m. Part of my routine is that I wake up and I drink 24 ounces of water with some electrolytes in it right? That I include protein with every single one of my meals, whatever. So this is where we can get really individualized because I'm sure so many of your listeners understand it's like I said earlier, calories matter, nutrition matters, exercise matters, and there's a million different ways that we can do these things. The only thing that matters is that we're doing it in a way that's going to be sustainable because having done this for close to 20 years now, the common conversation is from people that say, you know, I did keto and it worked until it didn't work, till it, it didn't fit in with my lifestyle. I did intermittent fasting until I didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't know what to do in lieu of it. All of these things are fine. 
They're all tools that we can use. But what we want to do is we want to teach someone to become their own nutrition diff, right? To them, help them understand what works, when, why it works, how they can have flexibility and freedom with their diet, but also accomplish the goals that they have set out for. Is there an order of operations for that? You said rules, routines, and rituals. Maybe there's something there, but I think another part of the challenge is that I don't know if it can be a lot because it's like, what's more than your health? But I'm just trying to think from the perspective of a guy, it's, geez, I've got to figure out calories and macros, and then I've got a meal prep, and I've got to, I could see all of the excuses mounting up in their head. And I'm wondering if your response says, what do you want? You want to be healthier? You're not. Or if it's like, okay, yeah, but let's figure out this first. And then once we do that, then we can layer on this or layer. Is there that sort of thing out there? If we're talking about general health, let's just say we're generally talking about weight loss, because I think probably... Are you okay adjusting it? Because I feel like a lot of guys who are like my spot, like I don't need to lose weight. I'm not interested in losing weight. And I don't necessarily know if I want to gain weight either. But I'm in that space where it's like, what's next? Where am I here? I've lost some of the weight. And I look at a lot of my friends, they're not overweight. They probably could gain from being healthier though. So I'm like, how do you quantify what is that kind of goal or problem look like if we're looking to go up, not necessarily go down. I look at some of my friends and I'm like, you don't look healthy. I don't know if you need to lose weight. Maybe it's improving energy production. And we talk a lot about like metabolism and our metabolic function because we really want to be these metabolically flexible sort of engines, machines, if you will, in that we're someone who can rely on fat as fuel, but we also can do just as well with carbohydrate fuel, depending on the situation. And if you think back to our ancestry within our very DNA is sort of the ability to adapt, right? We're exposed to these stressors all of the time. It's part of why we are where we are, who we are is survival of the fittest, literally. So there were periods of of famine, periods of feasting, our body's ability to adapt to these stressful stimuli. And I think part of the reason why where we are as a society is that we are no longer challenged in that capacity. Goes back to our original conversation of, are we lazy or we're just in a position where we're perfectly comfortable, right? And it's okay to be that way. And that's part of the problem. And so going back to the question that you posed, even if we're not objectively quantifying things, this is where we look at what we call biofeedback, things like your hunger, your energy, your cravings, your mood, your libido, your cognitive function, right? Your sleep quality, your exercise quality and saying, I just want to feel good. I want to show up with energy, perfectly reasonable for a man to be comfortable in their skin and not necessarily like the guy said to me, I don't need to be shredded. I don't need to have visible abs. I don't need to have exorbitant amounts of muscle mass. That's totally cool. We want you to be comfortable in your skin, but you also need to display this level of of metabolic health. You need to be in a position where you can metabolize your foods, produce energy effectively, get good sleep quality. And I think that from a maybe hierarchical standpoint, if we were to classify order of operations there, I think we could break it up into nutrition and physical fitness. But I think food quality, normally I would place food quantity and like total calorie intake at the bottom of this pyramid, if you will. But this is where I'd probably place food quality 
in terms of making sure that we're getting the right amount of macronutrients, getting enough protein, but also enough micronutrients, enough vitamins and minerals in our food. We're consuming a diverse enough amount of food to be able to provide those vitamins, minerals, fiber, to be able to support these energy systems, these body systems, the cellular components of health, and then kind of working our way up and saying, okay, then we might go to total calorie intake, then we might go to meal timing, then we might go to supplementation. It's different for everyone. You said you can't eat whatever you want. I would also throw in that you can't drink the same way that you did in your 20s, 25 as you did when you're 35. I feel like now's probably the time for guys to start really waking up, paying attention to the power of whether it's supplementation or just being intentional with their nutrition. So are there things that are worth putting on guys' radars, whether that's supplements or foods that will help with these sorts of things like libido or energy levels or your metabolic health? Are you consuming enough protein right at your meal? Are you getting enough sleep? How are you managing your stress? How's your digestion? It's a tough question. Obviously, all of these things depend on the individual. And so it's hard for me to say that there's any one or two or three things that are more important than anything else. Yeah. So help me clarify. So I think that's a really good foundation. And you said we can go into kind of some of those buckets. So I'm glad you brought up sleep. There's that. Then the next part of it is understanding your macronutrients. So maybe we can dive into this and you can lay a foundation. I remember in the 90s going to school and I can't tell you how many times I had to color in the food pyramid. I draw in and color and they gave me the food pyramid. And on the bottom there was all the grains and rice and bread. That was the bulk of what you should be eating. So maybe you can talk about just how a guy might approach their macro, like just thinking about that, because I don't know that everybody is as caught up as they should be on how things might be different than what we were sold to in second and third grade. Getting started is to simply look at and shoot for eating more whole foods. What we call them in our practice is single ingredient foods. You know, you can think about chicken, apples, oranges, cucumbers, like potatoes, rice. We can go further down the line of kind of processing. We can get to like oatmeal. We can get to protein powder. We can get to chicken tenders, right? Then, you know, go. And one of the ways that I like to think about it is sort of like if you walk into a grocery store and you just think about like the perimeter of the grocery store, right? That grocery store, we have the produce and the vegetables and fruits. And then we have like the meat section and maybe the dairy and and what have you. And as you get more towards the inside, cereal and marshmallows and yeah, whatever, like all of the highly processed multiple ingredient stuff. Here's the thing. None of it is bad, right? We classify things as good and bad. And this is part of the problem, Hector, in my opinion, as to why people have such a hard time either getting started or continuing to drive momentum after a significant amount of weight loss is because the ways in which most of us lose weight these days are very restrictive and they're very polarizing in the way in which we diet. There's a lot of emotional stigma around particular dieting pathways, whether you're paleo, whether you're keto, whether you're carnivore, whether you're doing some other, you know, fad-based diet because they're eliminating entire food groups. And I think that 
what we know from behavioral psychology and what we know in the research is people that leverage this, what's called dichotomous thinking, this black or white way of thinking, this all or nothing. Like if I just eliminate all processed food, if I just don't ever eat sugar, right? I'm only going to eat whole single ingredient food, right? Or I'm only going to quote unquote eat clean, whatever the hell that means. It's going to mean something different to everybody, by the way. If I only do these things, then I'll be successful. And what we find is that people are successful for a period of time, quote unquote, successful for a period of time until they realize that that way of eating is terribly unsustainable for them. Psychologically, there's a level of restriction and pushback that happens to the degree that it, it isn't, it ends up invariably being unsustainable, right? And so, Instead, we need to give ourselves unconditional permission to acknowledge that there are no good or bad foods. It's all just chemical compounds at the end of the day. Now, of course, our body's going to respond differently to certain compounds than others, certain combinations of these chemical compounds, especially the combinations of sugar, salt, fat. Our brain is going to be affected differently by these combinations. Degree that what we know is, okay, when we can base our diet on more of the nutrient-dense, whole, single-ingredient foods, we're going to be more satisfied. We're going to have more energy we're going to consume less calories, we're going to get more nutritional value and fiber. So we're going to be more satiated, like I said, from our food. And therefore, it's really up to the individual to say, okay, and perhaps the coach of like, how do we help someone start to build their daily meal plans and their decisions around consuming more of these foods and less of these foods, but also the client understanding that there's nothing that's off limits. And by virtue of me truly acknowledging that there's no bad foods, I lose the desire to, right, overeat, overdrink, binge, cheat, right? And the whole aspect of I failed because I ate some sugar because I had a donut. It seems, I think I said at the beginning, it's a series of small shifts that when you take and you make those kind of small decisions, they cascade on each other and, and you look up and people ask me like, how did you lose so much weight? Because when you look at pictures, it was like, it's pretty significant, but it was those two or three things done over two or three years. Yeah. Last thing that I want to get your thoughts on is supplementation. I'm part of a, a dad's group and there was a time going around where everyone was on the beetroot gummies kick because now it's like, wait a minute, you can take these gummies and it's a root, it's a plant, it's a supplement. Magnesium seems to be another one that's popped onto my radar recently where it's, there's no reason why you probably shouldn't be supplementing with this because most guys are deficient. Obviously, we can't prescribe anything and there's not going to be fit for everybody, but things like that someone, a guy might look into if they want to start optimizing or taking their levels to a better level. Buying things that are actually going to be effective, even though we can agree that without focusing on the foundational principles like we've been discussing, they're probably pissing in the wind. But nonetheless, if you're buying them anyways, you might as well. Um, what is actually therapeutically effective, magnesium is a great supplement. But what most people don't realize, and there's a lot of different forms of magnesium. We do want to be taking a chelated form of magnesium. That's basically the magnesium compound that's chemically bound to an amino acid. And so you can get things like magnesium 
glycinate or magnesium taurate, and these different forms of magnesium are going to impact different tissues in the body and frankly pack different people differently. Now, kind of comprehensive magnesium would be a good idea. And this is something I wouldn't generally pick up or like Costco. You really do want to look for practitioner grade, pharmaceutical grade, sometimes third-party tested, NSF certified for sport, or not for sport, but NSF certified products and help offer some suggestions there if people want to message me. But this is where, you know, maybe a Whole Foods, maybe a Sprouts, there's so many different places online that provide good quality products. A digestive enzyme is actually really effective and beneficial for people, especially when we're talking about just some of the foundational stuff, especially when we're talking about getting enough protein in. A lot of people have reduced stomach acid due to one, just getting older, our environment, stress levels, our water quality. If we can be including our herbs that help support the digestive process, help drive more hydrochloric acid production, more stomach, pancreatic enzymes that help break down the protein, carbs, and fats, then we're being and assimilating those nutrients a lot more effectively, which like we talked about in terms of food quality, we might be eating goodly food, but we might not be breaking it down. And so that's like a really logical one for us to include with clients who are just generally looking for support. We can definitely talk about kind of workout related supplements, but just a good like whey protein isolate just a good whey protein powder. It's especially when we're talking about helping guys hit get enough protein in throughout the day because a lot of guys don't do that and they're training in the gym, but they're just not eating enough of the right things, in which case a, a whey protein powder might make sense depending on the context. So those are a few general ones. Man, there's just, it really depends on usually condition-specific stuff, energy, sleep, digestion, cognitive function, training. I've covered this on my podcast. It's called the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I've done supplement webinars and I'd be happy to send those to anyone. Perhaps we can even share the link in the show notes, uh, but someone can certainly just reach out or they can look some of these up through our Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Go to our website. It's bodysystems.com. And all of our Contact info is there. The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show podcast is on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on all iHeartRadio, all the podcast platforms. So you can check that out and you can feel free to just shoot me an email, ben at bodysystems.com. Ben, I appreciate the time and you coming in and dropping some knowledge. It's always selfishly great and fascinating for me. And I know the guys learned a lot today. So fellas, I want to thank you for being here and appreciate you being a part of the tribe. Would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know a guy who needs to hear some of this stuff or was looking for some way to take their energy levels, their body to the next level, send them this episode. Let's grow the tribe together and then go get connected with me and Ben online and let us know what you thought of the episode. We appreciate you being here, fellas. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.